Good morning again. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, Kimberly just commented, we have a non-caffeinated box today. That's unusual. <laughs> but, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, it's really great to be with you. And during this, uh, what may truly be the changing of the seasons from a grueling hot summer to glorious fall here in Central Texas. <laughs> And uh, I've been hearing from ACL goers what a fantastic time it was. Uh, this photo, um, the cover slide, is actually from ACL last weekend. A mother and daughter enjoying the festival at Zilker. Uh, the weather was fantastic. I hear that the lineup was fabulous and uh, just a joyful vibe all the way around. And this season in Central Texas does tend to be exquisite after surviving the hot summer. and. Last month, well, when it was still above 100 most days, Austin and I got a brief respite when we traveled to Alaska to visit his family up there. And uh, it was about 35 degrees or 40 degrees, something in that range most days. And it was a shock to this Texas girl. Like, I was, I thought I might die from the cold. <laughs> I was like, I've lived a good life. I may just die here. <laughs> And it'll be too costly to ship my body back to Austin, so I'll just be buried here, and I've made my peace with that. Um, one morning, Austin's sister took us to a reindeer ranch, and it was so bitterly cold, I could not feel my feet, which made me nervous, because some of the reindeer came very close, and I wanted to be able to run away. <laughs> In this picture, I'm definitely on my back foot, about to make a break for it. <laughs> reindeer, in fact, are very gentle, and though they are also wild animals, like huge wild animals, and I can't say that I enjoyed being outdoors in the bitter cold very much, but I did love learning about these amazing creatures that have adapted to live in the harsh Alaskan territory where the sun doesn't rise in the winter for weeks at a time, the temperature gets to be 40 below, uh, it's just... Uh, really a phenomenon. Um, Alaska is a unique biome, and there are five major biomes on the planet, uh, aquatic, desert, forest, grasslands, and tundra, like Alaska. These five ecosystems form in response to a shared local environment and climate, and each ecosystem has its own unique features, like temperature and altitude and the kind of plants and animal life that flourish there. And the biome determines the type of life that can exist and thrive within it. I have a friend who's a therapist who says it's important that we recognize that hum human beings really only have one biome. Our, our human biome is relationships. Human beings can adapt to live in any of the five biological biomes on the planet, and also wherever we are, if we're thriving, it's because of the relational biome in which we find ourselves. It's the quality of those relationships, the community that surrounds us, that influences our physical and mental and emotional and spiritual wellness. And one reason for that is we need each other. At Vox, we've been exploring in recent years this question of what kind of community, what kind of relational biome helps us thrive together. And we've been wondering what we might learn by experimenting with a non-hierarchical community, a biome of shared leadership, a circle rather than a line or a ladder, a system that finds a way to resist 
abuses of power and harm that so many of us have experienced in more hierarchical worlds, a biome of mutuality, if you will. And so after, um, over these past several Sundays, you've heard each member of our teaching team reflect on a different aspect of what we mean when we talk about non-hierarchy. And we're wrapping up our series today with our text from Philippians chapter two, which invites us into a conversation about a really helpful practice of non-hierarchy, uh, and that's collective discernment. We might think of collective discernment as a process of decision-making that involves slowly listening, deeply slowly listening to the spirit, to ourselves, our own bodies, and to one another as we navigate conversations and decisions and experiments together. So we're wrapping up our series on non-hierarchy by inviting you into this practice with us. And as we enter this next season of life together as the Vox community, um, this practice will become really important to us. I'll say a little more about collective discernment as we go along. It's this wonderful way that we uh, have already practiced making decisions together here at Vox. And then I'd like to invite you to practice some of it here today. Uh, but before we do, will you allow yourself to float back to previous weeks of uh, these last, most recent homilies and let's gather up the threads of those messages and carry them forward as we're weaving together this tapestry of what we mean by non-hierarchy. So two Sundays ago, when Kimberly preached about rethinking priesthood, this was one of the big ideas in her homily. You don't have to light yourself on fire to keep someone else warm. Uh, Kimberly invited us to notice how the, not, the hierarchical structures that many of us are accustomed to tend to burn out the leaders at the top. And so she painted this alternative image of a community where everyone is bringing their individual lights, adding to this collective campfire. And as she remarked, within that community of equals, our collective warmth takes a hit when we don't have your particular spark. Um, in her homily, Kimberly wanted to reference a homily I'd done a few weeks prior, and so Christopher created a slide that included a screenshot of me, and you can see it here in the screen within a screen, and that was funny. And Kimberly remarked we should henceforth always find a way to slip in screenshots of each of our teaching team into our homilies. And so from Kimberly's lips to God's ears, <laughs> three Sundays ago, uh, Vanessa preached about holding tension with humility. And this was one of the big ideas in Vanessa's homily that within a community of equals, there will be some tension. And certain tensions are super healthy and need to be held and not resolved prematurely. As an example, Vanessa talked about, for instance, the tension between action and contemplation or individual needs versus uh, the collective or the tension between mystery and clarity and that both andness of God's love. The Sunday before that, Waylon preached about shared leadership as a form of resistance. He invited us to notice that rigid hierarchies tend to go hand in hand with racism and patriarchy and power imbalances that can perpetuate harm and abuse to the marginalized, to the vulnerable. 
Waylon recalled a New York Times article that was written about Vox in, I think it was 2016, when Vox was maybe at the height of riding the wave of rigid hierarchy and celebrity culture in the life of our community. We had a uh, charismatic pastor and uh, um, we pedestaled him. And it was not loving or kind to ourselves or to him. Waylon noted that one of the regrettable byproducts of uh, that time in our community's life of that publicity and kind of celebrity at the center of it was that people told us later they started to feel like um, they weren't cool enough or artistic enough or hipster enough to be here and to bring their fully authentic selves, their cool and uncool parts, and to feel a place of belonging. And so Waylon invited us to become curious, how do we create and embody a community of equals that resists the cult of personality, that resists that artificial buzz of celebrity culture? And then finally, last week, Christopher invited us to consider what it might mean for us as a Vox community to allow ourselves to dream in league with God. He invited us to ask ourselves, in times, for instance, of danger or crisis, who do we look to for safety? And one of the things we've been discussing has been this idea of learning to deeply, slowly listen to the spirit, to ourselves, to one another, building trust between us so that when a crisis occurs, we're not just lining up single file behind a, a, a single leader, but instead we're looking to the spirit, to ourselves, to one another, because each person here has a piece of profound wisdom to contribute. Uh, Christopher invited us to notice that requires us all to practice seeing ourselves with right-sizedness, <laughs> meaning some of us need to do uh, a little more listening to others, and some of us need to do a little more listening to ourselves and not diminish our own perspective. So we're all seeing ourselves as right-sized equals. And that shared understanding will help us enter into collective discernment together. Uh, that way we will be able to make decisions slowly and thoughtfully to genuinely hear one another and courageously speak to one another as we discern our, our next steps as a community. So that's the practice we're inviting you into with us today. And now that we are in the middle of our homily, let's look at the text for this morning from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, where we read this. If then there is any comfort in Christ any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So I'd like to use the rest of our time together to practice this idea of collective discernment, which is rooted in this encouragement from Paul to the Philippians. Uh, he invites us to consider this idea that listening to our bodies, our emotions, what's happening inside us, can become a reliable source of wisdom and discernment. So I'd like to draw our attention here to these emotion words Paul uses, comfort, consolation, love, tender affection, sympathy, joy. These are feeling words, emotion words. 
bodily sensations happening in our gut, our belly, our lungs, our heart. It's this information that collective discernment teaches us to listen to and to trust that that information can become a reliable source of wisdom about the direction that the spirit of love is moving and how we can enter that flow. We might think of this like a current in the ocean. And consider how the sea turtles, these creatures who travel sometimes 10,000 miles in a single year, how the sea turtle does this not by knowing exactly where they're going, not by zooming out and having a map of the entire ocean, not by working really hard to get there, but by finding the current and doing these little practices, these little gestures, like beating their flippers just slightly when they veer too much to the left or the right, doing what they need to do to stay within that stream of current, trusting if they do, little by little, day by day, they will go exactly where they need to go. And this is perhaps a helpful image of spiritual discernment, that simple practices like listening to the patterns of the spirit, the patterns in scripture, the rhythm of our own emotional life, our bodily responses, and listening closely to one another. By doing this little by little, we might find we are going exactly where we need to go. This idea is related to one of our Vox values of posture, which reads at the bottom here, each person has profound intrinsic worth and carries God's spark. And so does each people, uh, you do, and so does each person near you. So we will work to consider others in addition to ourselves, recognizing that caring only for ourselves is just as damaging as neglecting ourselves, which leads to another form of self-centered living. Notice with me that for several generations, the evangelical church in particular has neglected its inner life, its emotional and embodied life. And in fact, the evangelical church taught several generations of believers to ignore our emotions, to neglect what our body was telling us. The problem with that is wherever we go, we bring our bodies with us. <laughs> and our bodies truly don't lie. They are truth tellers about how healthy our relational biome is. When our bodies are feeling relaxed and safe enough and nourished and courageous, that tells us something about how active the spirit of love is in this relational biome. And when our bodies are feeling neglected, diminished, damaged, deprioritized, used, coerced, manipulated, shamed, harmed, unprotected, abused, that also tells us something about how that it tells us that something is not well in our relational biome. And that is really uh, core to collective discernment and shared leadership and non-hierarchical community. It's this valuing the information we receive from listening to the spirit, listening to our own bodies and emotions and to one another. So we may discern the directional movement of nonviolent love and move with the flow of that current. So that as Paul suggests, we might be of the same love, be in full accord of one mind as a community about who we are and how we go about making decisions. So uh, I'd like to close by giving us a chance to 
practice each of these if you're willing. So first, I'll read the text again, and we'll practice listening to the spirit uh, through the scripture. After that, we'll practice listening to our bodies and then to one another. So these are the rhythms that condition us to play our part in Vox's collective discernment. These practices prepare us so that when the time comes to offer our unique contribution of wisdom to questions or crossroads we're facing as, co as a community, um, we're ready. Uh, I want to just say before we move into the practice, there's not a particular question or crossroad we're facing currently as a community. We've just navigated several big ones. And we did it through collective discernment on the part of our pastors and staff and NAV, our navigation team. And it's worked wonderfully. <laughs> and we're wanting to invite you, each of you, into that practice with us because each of you has a unique perspective that will help shape the outcome of future discernments. So if you're willing to join us in this practice of collective discernment, if you would just settle into a comfortable position. We're going to start with listening to the spirit and uh, practices like Lectio Divina or meditating on a particular word from scripture or on the story of Jesus. These can be ways of discerning the patterns of God, who God is, how nonviolent -lo non love responds. So in this case, we'll use our text for this morning. I'll read it three times and then we'll move into the second practice and then the third and then I'll bring us to a graceful close. So if it's helpful... Uh, you might close your eyes, take a slow breath, take a moment to connect with yourself, and now as you listen this first time, just allow the words to wash over you. Here's our first reading. If then there is any comfort in Christ any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Take a slow in-breath. Slow exhale. Now as you listen the second time, notice a word or a phrase you might want to reflect upon more. You might imagine placing that word in the palm of your hand so you can remember it. Here's our second reading. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Slow in breath together. Slow exhale. Now as you listen this 
final time, notice any desire for action within you, anything that you feel energized to try, even however small. Here's the third reading. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Slow in-breath together. Exhale loudly. Good. Feel free to keep your eyes closed if you'd like. Uh, or open them and perhaps move your body in a way that feels good to you, rolling your shoulders, stretching out your neck, twisting at the waist can feel really delightful. <laughs> and then uh, returning to stillness for our second practice. So hold on to the word or image or action that surfaced for you as you were listening to the spirit and the second practice gives us a chance to listen to ourselves our own bodies and we'll see what emerges so with your eyes closed or a gentle gaze take another slow breath and begin to scan your body starting with the head slowly moving down or the feet moving up And when you find a place inside you that feels something, anything, an emotion, sensation, allow your attention to rest on that place. You might imagine putting a hand on that spot or imagine that place lit up so you can see it more clearly. And begin to notice that emotion or sensation, how does it feel? Is it pleasant or unpleasant or both? Imagine yourself just welcoming that feeling. It's here anyway, so we might as well welcome it as if it were a visitor here to tell you something important. If this feeling or emotion had a name, what name would you give it? You might use an emotion word or an image, a color, a texture, some other word to name this feeling you've noticed. And imagine placing that word also in the palm of your hand so you can remember it. One more slow inhale together. Exhale. And now when you're ready, we'll all come back together. You're welcome to open your eyes if you had them closed. Good. 
we've had a taste now of listening to the Spirit through Scripture and listening to our own bodies. And this third practice gives us a chance now to listen to one another, and we'll see what emerges. Practices like sharing authentically, putting into words what's happening inside us. This is like building a bridge between us so that wisdom can move among us. And so uh, I'd like to invite you now, if you're willing, to turn to someone beside you and ask them this question. What did you notice? Trusting that the first thing that occurs to you to share, to hold on to, is the right thing. So during these first two practices of listening to the Spirit and listening to ourselves, what did you notice? Ask someone next to you this question, and I'll give you a moment, and then I'll bring our time together to a close. All right, take just uh, another couple seconds, wrap up your sharing. If your neighbor shared something with you about what they noticed, uh, give them a gesture of thanks. And just make note of anything from these three practices that you wish to keep reflecting on in the coming weeks. Um, you may have heard it said that this word discernment is rooted in the practice which bankers uh, use to come to be able to detect counterfeit money from the real. <laughs> and they do it not by studying the counterfeit, but by studying the real. And that's another way to think of this practice of slowly listening, this uh, this practice of collective discernment. We're learning together as a community how to distinguish the real. Just like developing a taste for real food, we're developing a palate for what the movement of nonviolent love of the spirit feels like and how, to, how we can join with it. So I'll close our reflection on collective discernment with these words by Katie Harmon McLaughlin. She's a priest and an educator and a spiritual director, and she says it this way. Discerning communities listen deeply. 
taking a posture of holy curiosity. This requires us to set aside our agendas to be fully present to the person who is speaking. If we do not feel safe to be vulnerable and open in community, it's very hard to engage authentically in a discernment process. Cultivating a discerning community takes time and intention. Thank you for entering into that time and space and intention with us. I opened today by showing you the reindeer I met in Alaska. And one of the things I enjoyed learning about reindeer was that if there is danger or a predator or some kind of crisis, their way of keeping safe is to form a circle. And I think we have an image of this. Uh, according to the Canadian Institute for Science, um, what the reindeer do is they place the vulnerable on the inside and the herd creates this tight ring almost like they're becoming one body. It's referred to as a reindeer cyclone or a reindeer circle. And though I have not yet seen the movie Frozen 2, I hear it features in that film. <laughs> And this may be a helpful image for us to carry with us. In this season of Vox, we have a unique opportunity to reshape and reimagine what a healthy, non-hierarchical leadership and community might look like, and to push back against narratives and structures that don't serve our mental and physical and spiritual and emotional wellness. And so to cultivate the practices like collective discernment um, is to allow us to build trust and safety with one another so that when there is a crisis to face, rather than lining up behind a single leader, we will have like this muscle memory, this uh, ability to circle one another <laughs> and to protect the vulnerable and to discern collectively how the nonviolent love of Jesus would have us respond. Please pray with me. This is a prayer to God on the inside. God above us, vertical you are like a star. The air is thin up there. Unreachable you seem from down here. God before us, fantastic you seem like a dream. A mysterious fire, untouchable from here. But God within us, confounding you are and most tender, hold us on the inside, tickle our ribs. And when we pray, come by here, come by here, come by here, flutter and whisper, I'm close as can be, closer still. In the love of God above, Christ beside, and the spirit within us. <laughs>